Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Magnetica podcast. Today, we aim to explore life experiences, how they shape our leadership styles and their effects on the people around us. We are joined today by Jackie, who is a super creative, dynamic, fun 20-something, and also a super guest on our podcast, who will join us today as we discuss leadership styles. We'll do this in our own unique way by reviewing our live faces and insights gained from each one on leadership and the different leadership styles. So Jackie, say hi. Hi guys, I hope you're well. It definitely feels good to be back. Hi Kim, how are you doing? Hi Jackie, I'm well. How have you been? I've been fine. Mm-hmm. The- much appreciative of uh, getting back on this podcast to share my thoughts on leadership. Awesome. I know that these guys will like it. Yeah, I hope so. And I, I think I will like it, even though we haven't started <laughs> recording properly yet. Um, but, you yes. know, always glad to have you back and looking forward to an awesome session. Thank so, you. Looking forward to one too. Start by asking a very simple or not so simple question, which will guide the rest of our discussion. Mm-hmm. Using leadership that affected you the most in your life, how can you describe leadership? Well, I'll start by telling you a story of my various phases of my life and how the different leadership styles molded me into how I am today. First thing is, I'll start by my early teens, whereby I was a little bit dictated territorial and authoritarian mm-hmm. and if you're familiar with that kind of leadership it's more of uh, giving out orders and never really taking feedback and then at some point in high school I I determined that this wasn't an effect on, so I moved on from that kind of I was kind of the person who used to mind my own business people really didn't know if I would even ever talk then in university I then came around and was like well minding my own business again doesn't make sense I'm a naturally talker person so joined a club whereby I became an editor so that was a bit of leadership roles given to me and I tried to be democratic but then again it didn't work for me uh, so I gave up and then I completed my campus went to work whereby I went back to default settings in quotes <laughs> Default meaning I'm very dictatorial sometimes and uh, authoritarian. So I tried that and then so it didn't work. Again, I changed along the line and I would say became docile in some sense and docile in quotes because I'm not a naturally docile person. Then again, it didn't work. So I became a leader. Then thought of so in this by saying a leader at, at the workplace, I became a supervisor to someone and I thought why not try blending the authoritarian part with a bit more of democracy. So here's where I started thinking about guiding these employees under my supervision on what is needed and how to get it done. So this was less pushing my opinion and listening more to them. And I would say that has been more effective. I get work done easily and uh, I can feel there's some level of trust within uh, between me and those people I'm supervising. So I wouldn't say it's entirely effective, but I can see from the part of uh, being dictatorial, authoritarian, authoritarian, and now coming to this point where I'm trying to balance democracy and uh, being strict. <laughs> 
because being authoritarian sometimes means you're very strict. So I'm just trying to balance the two and see how it works. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, your experiences? So before I talk about my own experiences, why don't you expound more on what you mean by you tried to be democratic and then it didn't work? What exactly? Why do you think it didn't work when you look back? Uh, so the reason I think it didn't work is because being democratic, my kind of democracy was like letting the people take a lead. But then again, as a leader, you're supposed to like make sure uh, balance, like you need structure to get things done. So by giving people that sense of we can do whatever or we can, we are actually in charge meant that my work didn't move forward. I usually felt frustrated, tried to talk to people, uh, see if they could maybe up their opinion or something. But still, since I didn't have this part of hiding people and by hiding means showing them, okay, this is the direction and you are not deviated because of ABCD made things a, a little bit difficult because I had already showed them there are no boundaries already. So that, I think that was what uh, made me frustrated. And then I was like, well, uh, let me just give up on these people, <laughs> which is again, is not good because uh, sometimes democracy seems to be nice in my in my view. Sometimes democracy seems to be the perfect kind of leadership. But then again, if you take it the wrong way or if you establish it the wrong way by not setting clear boundaries, like uh, we are a democratic people, but then you need to follow this route or you need to make sure like don't step past this boundary, then again, you are giving people the chance to do whatever they want. <laughs> and so take it like um, you are having a group of um, like could I say teenagers if you have teenagers these people at some point might not be entirely self-driven so giving them all that power to like do whatever they want means uh, sometimes poor decisions are going to be made and you can't really force them into doing whatever you think is right but then if you give them enough power to exercise their democracy while also being like this is where the boundaries reach you might achieve some sense of structure or something what do i say yeah something of the sort so democracy sometimes when taken too far might interfere with the normal the structure of things and uh, meaning then you have a kind of a chaotic environment where this one is doing whatever they think is right this one is doing whatever they think is right and pulling all that together is a problem so that's why i will say i give up <laughs> was too much to handle my tiny frail being <laughs> yeah any other question no i think that answers it so now back to your question um I, let me now talk about my own experiences my story is more or less the same primary school i was a prefect in class seven and i was command and control one million billion percent very authoritarian very dictatorial i used to be the kind of person who i hear you whispering in class you will kneel down and people used to kneel down by the way and uh, i think my class was the quietest class in the whole school because I was very dictatorial. I did not give people any room. If you want to play, go outside and play. If you want to talk to your friend, go outside and talk to your friend. And that's how I, I led in class seven. And obviously I didn't make a lot of friends, but also I wasn't concerned about it. So 
I think everything just fit in perfectly with each other. And then in class eight, I minded my own business. I didn't really care much about telling people to kneel down or monitoring whether they're, they're, they're doing the right thing or not. I minded my own business, um, but people never seemed to move on from that part of me that was very dictatorial. Uh, because in class eight, you know, it's KCP, you have to study. And that's all I was focused on. So I was still the prefect, but... I didn't really care about what other people did or I didn't really perform my prefect duties in quotes. And then on to secondary school, I had this physics teacher who was very authoritarian. He was also very command and control. But the issue was that the people that he was leading did not were not receptive to his leadership at a certain point you know they started to reject the re, the leadership style they rejected the things he was saying all the rules and regulations were just like nah so that was interesting to watch uh, and also interesting to watch him evolve from being super authoritarian to being calm and sort of started to mind his own business quote-unquote but this authoritarian and dictatorial side of him had enabled him to thrive up to that point and then the kind of cohort that he was leading at the time that I was in high school was like no we're not about this life we don't like it bye and so just to watch him sort of like calm down was interesting it's interesting now looking back then it was just uh, okay and then I had this home science teacher who now when I look back had such a profound impact on my life because she was such a perfectionist she was the kind of command and control leader that you didn't hate you know you actually made excuses for <laughs> she was very results oriented she used to top the kcse results every year number one home science teacher in the whole country in the whole district in the whole province every single year so in a way we accepted that that's how she was and she always chose who was to remain in her class in her home science class because you remember in high school we used to select subjects so if you select home science and she does not like you you will not do home science whether it's your life dream to do home science or not you will do home science elsewhere not in her class so she used to select whoever will land in her class and it was accepted because at the end of the day she will top <laughs> the country and you she's the kind of person you don't really hate you you do exactly as she says if she says she's going to give you 10 assignments in one week and yet you have six other subjects you will do those 10 assignments in one week um, so she was also command and control but because of the results and also she wasn't she was nice really she'd give you food she'd do these other little things that were just caring and you'd end up just being very receptive to her leadership style and you know if I went back to high school I'd still I'd be willing to also learn on her she, she was also the kind of person who'd tell you this is what I want and then tell you go and do it and then when it's not perfect she'd be like this is trash go and do it again and not necessarily tell you why it's trash <laughs> so you figure it out on your own and that was very interesting i think that has had a very profound impact on my life because having gone through something like that for four years that will impact you a lot in your life and so that was high school and then campus i had very not all my leadership experiences in high school were rosy so i was ready to just dump everything in high school and move on so i co-founded uh, a club 
called Kenya Model of the United Nations. It was about diplomacy and leadership. Basically, we felt like the leadership in campus, the student leadership in campus was lacking and there needed to be like some sort of training or a club that was, that redefined the leadership. And so a friend of mine who I met in campus was also interested in solving the exact same problem. We co-founded the MMU chapter. I used to study in a university called MMU. And at some point after all that in that year, I ran for environment and health secretary position and lost. Um, it was a good loss. It wasn't the kind of loss that you feel betrayed and everything. It was life-changing, but it was good. It was a good loss now that I think about it. It was a kind that is like, hmm, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I fought and I lost. That's cool. And I learned about lobbying and politics um, in campus. I also learned about collaboration. My leadership style in the club was basically, I'm the chair lady. Cool. This is a vice. Awesome. And then there are other people with different dockets. Everyone will decide what they want to do with their different dockets. And then you will present it. We'll discuss it. Does it make sense? The leadership team was very, wasn't that huge. It was like four to six people. At the start, it was like four people. As we grew, six people. So decision-making was not that hard. It was decide what you want to do. Let's discuss. Make sense? No. Make sense? Yes. Move on. So that was my leadership style. It wasn't do this, do that. Never. And I also learned a lot about resilience because just going through all the bureaucracies, getting people to buy in to what we were doing, um, I don't think what we were selling was very appealing. It wasn't entertainment, it wasn't food. It was leadership and debates and <laughs> philosophy and that kind of thing at the time. Um, it, it evolved to other things. So it wasn't the thing that people will look at and say, oh, I'm interested. So getting buy-in was, was tough. So I, I guess I learned a lot from that as well. Um, yeah. So when it comes to my work life currently, I think what I'm learning is that I like the kind of leadership that allows me to be autonomous, 100%. You know, be there, but let me do my work in peace and be creative alone. Uh, but I also like the kind of leadership that is present, but not present in the micromanagement kind of way. Still, it's just a presence that allows me to feel guided or allows me to know that I can seek guidance anytime. And I'm also learning about things like psychological safety, you know, uh, because that's what allows you to be creative. And what collaboration is really, really, really about at the core. And of course, I'm um, looking forward to exploring more um, at my workplace. Yes. That's interesting. Jackie. Mm -hmm. I'm happy you shared your learnings. Cool. It's uh, thank you. It's interesting to see how much how much we all share a similar perspective on what you would like, uh, what leadership to us looks like. It's yeah, um, I've been talking to a lot of people and uh, most of their views reflect what you've just said. It's the kind of leadership that allows me to be who I am while also guiding me to be a better version of myself, not now the other kind of way where 
you guide me to be a better version of me, but you're not allowing me to be who I am. Because at the end of the day, we are all growing and uh, getting a place. People actually recognize that you're growing and they give you that chance to grow however you need to grow. And uh, also guiding you how you need to, guiding you on the right path towards where you need to be. In I love that. Thank you for that. Awesome. Thanks for your response. So now given our both experiences, me, you, and the people you've talked to, what do you think, what are some of the key insights that we can fish from both stories or from everything we've ever had from people who are like us at the same stage or for people who have also had some, a bit of leadership experience? Do you have some in mind? Yes. I think the key insight here will be that people really speak to their first impressions of you. You remember that phrase that goes, uh, the first impression. We all are really, really like into creating a very good first impression, right? Because it's a lasting impression. I think as a leader or, and as a leader, I don't mean that you need to be on a, on the conventional leadership, uh, you've been elected or anything like you are a leader in your own capacity so however you behave however you uh, interact with people gives out an impression whereby that people will always think about that when they think about you being a leader so uh, for instance when uh, I was a very uh, could I say I was ruling with an iron fist the people I interacted with during that time up to now think that I'm still that kind of person. You will see even the interaction is usually very, very strained. Sometimes they will talk to you, but in a sense, in a sense that um, I remember that you may lash out, you may do this. And the people I interacted with when I was very democratic also have a very different lash. And uh, so if you combine all those people in one room and tell them to describe a particular person or me, in this case, you'll find a lot of different stories, but I'm still the same person. And I still practice all those kinds of leadership at that particular point. So I would say that it's important to think about how do I make a positive lasting impression? Because uh, sometimes people will, might or will behave in, a, in the way that maybe, uh, so that's the first one. <laughs> the second part is you need to do your best to show a positive image of the leader you are that is as a leader you need you need to realize that you've gotten into a celebrity kind of life and it's in quotes because things that you do or say are always subject to scrutiny and interpretation so people usually watch a lot and they derive they make judgment based on uh, what you do what you say because you can be good at talking and talking and talking but then actions don't reflect what you're talking uh, that that thing is I would insist on don't be the kind of leader you didn't like at all. Like at some point in our lives, we interacted with uh, leaders, we interacted with other people, and there's something we didn't like about them. Sometimes we say that experiences shape who we are, but yes, they do shape who we are, but we also have a choice to like know what is positive, what is positive about this experience that I need to relate, that I need to relate. What is negative about this experience that I need to scrap off so I don't pass it on to someone else. 
So for instance, if you experience the kinds kinds of leaders who are very affectionate, who are very, I would say they were more of a, more coaches than than actual like conventional leaders, then you'll find that these people tend to naturally be positive in some sense <laughs> in their leadership style. But again, if I went through a bullying or an iron fist kind of leadership, it might somehow indirectly translate to how I will behave in future. So I might be a leader who is a bully. And it's not because I was born a bully, but it's because maybe that's what I saw was was working. <laughs> because at some point we'll, we'll get uh, somewhere and say, well, this leader was a bully, but they got results. Like the high school teacher you, you talked about, I'm not calling her a bully, but I'm saying at some point you accept whatever, you, you learn to like live with that leader or live with that idea of this is how things should be done. But uh, I would like to be like, uh, place a filter in your life. I want to be, at the end, we all want positive leadership. Like I said, I want to be myself while also grow. So if you have that that at the back of your mind, think about the people you're leading and uh, think about the positive things that you can do to enhance that kind of environment where people are growing, but they are growing in a positive kind of way. So uh, always be reflective of what you've learned and strive to do better. That is uh, what I would say about my... Awesome. I think those are really, really, really good points. Uh, I was just nodding my head to everything like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Especially on being reflective, you know, at the end of the day, if you had interesting experiences or experiences that you can point out that justify your current leadership style, perfect. But if your leadership style is not the most positive, there's, there's really no one to blame. You're the only one who can fix that. And I actually like when you said that no one is born a bully. I love that. And, you know, no one is born a good leader either. We learn. We learn each one of them. We learn to be a good leader or a bad leader, depending on what you think bad leadership is. And on that note, I would like to make additions. And my addition would be I have noticed and observed that bad leadership is so destructive. And one of the things you've said, Jackie, is that leadership is about allowing me to be and growing me. Because at the end of the day, how I decide whether or not you are a bad leader is whether or not you have enabled me to prosper, right? And I think that's part of the reason why the home science teacher, even though, even now, I think I... I'm okay with that leadership style for some reason. If she was my boss right now, I'd be like, yeah, fantastic. Because I didn't feel, I didn't feel, I felt like she gave me the autonomy I needed and she led me to prosperity. I knew for a fact I was going to get an A in home science. I knew for a fact I was going to ace all my practicals and my theory because she was so good. So she led me to prosperity. And at the same time, I didn't feel like my mental well-being was being battered at the same time somehow so i do the same thing so i think that's what it is at the end of the day i think bad leadership is destructive because under bad leadership you don't grow and it's so destructive honestly if you ever identify that you're under bad leadership run for your life run as if you're being chased don't look back you know assume you're running from I don't know, a, a volcanic eruption. 
in your village run because the amount of distraction it can cost is unquantifiable you know to be honest especially at the workplace i'd rather bad leadership in school there's no better bad leadership but at the workplace it can cost you money <laughs> if you think about how much money will i make under bad leadership versus if i was under good leadership you will lose a lot of money under bad leadership if not if for nothing else just leave because you will lose money and you will not grow as fast as your peers imagine that um that was the first thing i, I wanted to say and add on to what you know jackie has said and then the people you lead this one will sound very typical of me to say <laughs> For those who know me, they'll just be like, ah, yeah, there, there she goes again. So the people you lead are not stupid and are your source of power. And I think, I think it's a sobering point <laughs> because sometimes when you're a leader, it gets to your head and you start walking around like you're the man and you are, you are in fact the man, but it's good to put things into perspective. You are not a leader with other people you're leading. And so they are your source of power. They're the reason why you're a leader in the first place. And you have to recognize, or it's good to know that, you know, going back to what Jackie said, they watch your every move. And because they watch your every move, they come to their own conclusions based on the information and data they're getting from their observations of you. So they, before you make the next move, they probably cast dice, dice or, or toss coins to, <laughs> to bet on your next move. And yeah, they know. They can almost predict. And they then decide how to place themselves based on your next decision. So that is usually, that's, it's, it's usually very interesting to watch how leadership plays out. Um, yeah anywhere but yeah i think for me that's something i'll never want to forget people you're leading are not stupid and they're your source of power so you also you it you, it just helps you put things into perspective mm, that's interesting i actually like that part of buy in from people because at the end of the day if people don't buy in uh you being a leader means your leadership is short-lived. But then again, we want to be the kind of leaders where we always get buy-in from people. So it would be nice to ask yourself, like, why or uh, what is my major motivation for being a leader? Uh, am I, do I want this long-term? Do I want this short-term? And what kind of decisions or what kind of activities should I do or uh, what strategies should I put in place to ensure the longevity of my leadership because at the end of the, the day like leadership is about the people if people don't like you you're afraid but if they like you wow then happy you forever is it happily ever after leader yeah but i would, I would really encourage people to be that kind of leader that everyone wants to be like like when i grow up this is the kind of leader i, I want to be because like kim said so uh like uh like like i would say like uh, we always learn so we don't we are not born like the way we are we learn to be good leaders we learn to be bad leaders and it's okay to have experienced all that kind of leadership whichever you've experienced but at the end of the day you uh, i'm i'm a millennial so obviously i would like to stick to the positive part of leadership so at the end of the day let's try it positive i like the perspective on having a vision for your leadership is it short term is it long term so you plan yourself <laughs> he 
if you know your kind of leadership is just going to leave a whole lot of disgruntled people at some point you're going to lose power because you don't you don't have enough buying etc but maybe that's not always the case but you know there has to be a way to always maintain that power so i like that perspective and now that we have discussed all of that back to the original question what is leadership so jackie goes first Ah, so leadership to me is a set of activities that we do in an effort to get things done in a structured manner so uh but then again for me now the the leadership i would want is the kind of leadership that allows for my growth and also allowed allows for other people's growth around me like i love positive things What's your definition of leadership? Mine is guidance uh, made by others or initiative taken by others and has to be received by others, willingly or not. So I added willingly or not because of, you know, dictators, basically. So you'll find like majority of the people don't want to follow your leadership, but they will because at that point, they really don't have a choice. And so they'll just follow it and, you know, as long as they decide to follow it, whether they're willing to or not, that makes you a leader. But there's also such a thing as leading yourself. So I guess at that point, you're your own follower <laughs> as well. Um, but there basically has to be like both sides of the coin, a leader and a follower. Um, yeah, a guide and a follower. So that's that's what I'd say. Mm, I like that perspective. It's interesting. And now that you said that, I think bad leadership and good leadership is relative. Depending on what your values are and uh, what your goals are, leadership will always appear differently to everyone. Maybe you could uh, ask yourself, what are my values? So if my values are this, uh, then what kind of leadership resonates with me? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I 100% agree. And now we can talk all day (laughs) about this topic. But in conclusion, uh, there's a question we'd like to ask you. Um, so you can tell us on our different platforms. Why do we press the reset button when we move from one face or from one place to another? Uh, is it because we somehow feel the need to be better around others or to be better around that new environment? Do we always want to start afresh? What's happening here? You know, if you don't understand that question, you can also let us know. <laughs> by the way jackie do you have anything to add on that particular question uh no i think you've covered everything there but i would like to really hear your views like why do you feel like you need to be this uh brand new me i will say (laughs) moving from one face to another uh don't you feel comfortable being you all through or do you realize that there's something else uh, that you need to work on do you realize there's something you missed or what like I'd like to to hear your thoughts. Yeah, like when you are when you are maybe a command and control leader, and then it just didn't end up really good for you, uh, and then you decided, okay, I'll mind my my own business in the next phase of life, or I'll be nicer, I'll smile more, or something. Um, why do we do that, basically? Or new year, new me. 
Why do we do that? Do you think? Let us know. And that said, again, Jackie, thank you for joining us today. Uh, see you, our audience, on Instagram and Facebook pages. Just search for Magnetica, which is M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C-A-H. And follow us. Also, feel free to send us a voice note on Anchor as well. Until next week, bye. Bye. It's been lovely uh, being hosted on the podcast and happy listening.